By the time you hear this podcast, you'll figure out what makes you want to holler. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. <laughs> and uh, it's been a very, very, very long while. It's been a long time. We should have left you. Without a dope pod to step two. Yep, step two, step two, step two. That is on HBO, by the way. <laughs> that movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, Romeo, but you're going to have to die. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually have never seen that movie. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta stop by the crib and see that movie. It is. um, Look, there's a lot of movies I haven't seen. It is, but this one is just like this was around because it was around the time like where like black people wanted to be in kung fu movies. (laughs) Yeah, this this is this was that was when DMX was a movie star. Yes, not only. Uh, a hip hop superstar. Because he was in he that was a movie star, and then he was in Cradle to the Grave, mm-hmm. and he was not just a supporting role in Cradle to the Grave. He was the lead. <laughs> he was the lead. Yes, and then with Belly shortly after was that before? That was before. That was before that was with before. Nas. Yeah, DMX was a movie star, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> Once upon a time. Oh man, he just basically played himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those are good times. It was Simpler. himself minus the crack. <laughs> As far as we know, I mean, <laughs> well, they, they there were no scenes of him smoking crack, yeah, yeah. So it had to be him minus crack, yeah. Ah, uh, yes, but yeah, we are back um, after long. I don't know if you, break hiatus, whatever you you know we yeah. yeah, yeah. But we're back, you know, and so forget that we're gone. We're back. That's all that matters <laughs> is that we're back and we're we're here for you, um, in your feed. Yes. 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 All right. So uh, thank you for everyone who is who had listened. If you maybe if you went back, listen to some older episodes, watched our old Facebook lives. We're not on Facebook live for this one. But anyone who went back and listened um, because some some interesting things have happened, not under our control. Yeah. (laughs) But some interesting things happened uh, that we found out fairly recently. So, um, as you know, you can listen to our show on, if you have an iPhone, Apple Podcast, if you have an Android, on the Google Music app, mm-hmm. on TuneIn Radio, CastBox, Overcast, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Play.fm, Satchel Podcast, and, and without, with, with no warning, no notification, nothing, we are on Spotify. 
we are on Spotify. So if you are like Ben, who now uses Spotify to listen to podcasts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can find us on that. You can find us on the Fi. What? <laughs> the Fi. <laughs> That's what I call it. The, the Fi. <laughs> it was crazy. Just out of nowhere, get a call from Greg like, hey, guess what? <laughs> We're on Spotify. <laughs> It's like it'll send you a message or nothing. It's just like this would because this is what happened. I looked at I was looking at our stats. Yeah. Um, with our podcast platform, we can only go back a year. So I was just looking to see what's our most downloaded episode in the past 365 days. But then I saw this tab with the Spotify logo on it. <laughs> like those motherfuckers. They didn't even like, tell what me. does this mean? And then and I then I looked and it had um our Spotify numbers as far as streams. And like, they, they didn't even tell us. Yeah, like they, I applied for that si- at least six months, maybe nine months ago. They were going to tell you. Well, if nine months, then maybe it's like a kid. Like it takes, <laughs> That's how long it took in gestation. It's a science term to get here. You know, they're like, yeah, finally. Uh, yeah. Go ahead and let the, let those guys who keep asking us to sponsor them on, <laughs> 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 let them on. <laughs> So yeah, um, go on there and check us out, man. It's it's cool. I mean, the the Spotify platform for podcasts. And by the way, they're not paying us to say this. I'm just really saying this. Sponsors. Um, the Spotify platform for for podcasts is actually is getting better and it's getting more robust. So, you know, if you do have a an Android phone, uh, an Android OS um, phone like myself, um, which is the big switch I've made since we've last been on. It's a really good, viable option. I think it has more podcasts than just the Google Music app. CastBox, of course, is an aggregate. That's how I listen to the other one that I do because uh, <clears throat> we're only on iTunes and Podbean. I don't know what Podbean is, but. That's another. Well, that's a platform. Okay. But, yeah, that's yeah. how I found it. So, um, But, yeah, Spotify is is excellent. They've got a ton of stuff on there. Um, the right time is on there, so I'm able to listen to that. All of the Ringer podcasts are on there, um, as well as my favorite boring podcast podcasts, which are about conspiracies. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. And now we're on there; we're a part of the family, the Spotify podcast family. Yes, um, one I, I'm going to start listening to. It just started. <laughs> is that Jamel Hill is unbothered? It's hmm. a, a Spotify exclusive. Oh, they're doing that podcast. Okay, you know what? They have some of those too. They do. They have the the ones on music and stuff. So that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So uh, when you're on the fi, <laughs> so hold on. Since now we're a part of the um, <laughs> the uh, Spotify galaxy, do we have to do one of our podcasts in Spanish? Like something no. snappy, something poppy. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. By the time you hear this podcast in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> By uh, the time I don't know, I don't know Spanish, so I'm gonna no. stop before this gets offensive. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> people I work with know about this, <laughs> <laughs> so let me stop. <laughs> um, and if you uh, want to follow us on social media, of course, we're on Facebook, and we have a website which we need to update, or we may just tear it down and start all over. Who knows? It's yeah. been a while, but um, we have uh, we're on Facebook at. Facebook.com slash by the time you hear this and by the time you hear this.com. Those are both spelled with uh, Y-O-U, the word you. And on social media, we are on Instagram at by the time you hear this spelled with the letter U because we're urban. 
Yes, we are. That has not changed. No, it has not. No. Uh, and we also have an email address by the time you hear this at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, show ideas. And if you're an independent artist, we'll play your music for $1. No. <laughs> Absolutely free. But Take we, we free. <laughs> I, I do want to start um, a Patreon and maybe we can give you some extra content, you know, mm-hmm. if you're able to donate. Um, we'll have our own, per, our, our own because fives, like one that Ben will do by himself or one I will do by myself. Because, because whatever he, lived. whatever because five <laughs> list he has, I'm just completely uninterested and vice versa. <laughs> Taylor Swift coming up. <laughs> <laughs> because five Taylor Swift songs. Yeah, Ben Ben will be doing that by himself. Oh, yeah. All right, so, uh, (laughs) uh, well, let's start with the the charts here, kind of like get into our our first music news topic. Um, Was there anything else I forgot that we normally do in the intro? It's been so long. It has been, and you know what? You did a great job, because I was like, I'm glad he's... Because I didn't remember it all. It, it's, it's muscle memory at this point. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we named all the places we can be heard. And we named the places where they can get in contact with us. So I believe that is what we do. All right. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. So uh, let's get to the charts here. Now, the last show we did was put out on February 26th. Woo. Been a long time. So uh, here's a rundown of the number one songs in the country uh, since then. Uh, the, our last episode, the number one song was Seven Rings. By the hardest working ponytail in the game. <laughs> and that was number one for a couple more weeks. And then for one week, for one week, the Academy Award winning song, Shallow, yep. by Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper was number one. Uh, followed by Sucker by the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, that was considered their comeback, man. Like, that was surprising. Um, and it's probably because Nick is now singing the most and not Joe. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole. So pod- Nick, Nick was the one that went solo. Joe was the one from DNCE. I believe so. Nick went solo. Joe went to DNCE. Kevin is just Kevin. chilling on his money. <laughs> yeah, he was just Kevin. So they finally got back together. I I saw them. Nina DeBrev was in the video for Sucker, and so she posted about it, and that's when I found out they were back. And and. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's wild that, you know, they've been gone for so long. Did not sound like this the last time we heard them. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard the song, but sounds quite different. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I did. And they have a second single out called Cool. OK, I heard a little bit of that song, too. I'm, I'm happy for them, though. I like them. They're, they're cool folks, I think. But that comeback lasted one week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they were number one for one week. And then it was Seven Rings again for three more weeks. Jesus, man. She is. <laughs> and then uh, a kid from, let me see where he's from. He is from Atlanta. Oh, yeah. He's from the A. <clears throat> he uh, wanted to take his horse down to the Old Town Road. Yep. And just ride till he couldn't no more. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he made a remix with a close personal friend, Billy Ray Cyrus. Well, I don't know why people <laughs> kept referring to him as country legend. Billy Ray Cyrus. I know one song, and everyone knows what that one song yeah. is. And apparently he got so much hate for this song <laughs> that he felt that he just had to reach out and help a, a fellow country outlaw like Lil Nas X. Like, seriously, bro, did you get that much hate for Achy Breaky Heart? And if you did, why? I, I got to go back and look at that. Like, did he get 
did he get hate for that song? It, I just know it was everywhere. Maybe that was like, no, it can't be everywhere. No, it cannot be. This is not another boot scooting boogie. Because it became <laughs> it, it, the song was so big that that uh, people who weren't white were dancing to it, were lines dancing okay. to it, yeah, and that's, that's not like, cool. It's like, uh, I mean, like, yes, we got another watermelon crawl here on our hands. Like, you know, we don't need <laughs> none of these. None of the, another one of these line dancing. Yeah. I mean, line dance had already existed. Yeah, I don't get it either. I don't get it either. But when other, uh, I guess when not when non-white people are line dancing, it might be a problem. Yeah, unless it's the electric slide, can't yeah. get, can't really get down with it. Can't be any country, which is why I think I was the I know I was the only guy, but I also think I was the only black person in my line dancing class at West Georgia. Yeah, I took line dancing. Yeah, I yeah. Line dancing in line dancing college classes. Couldn't do it. <laughs> if you asked me to, <laughs> held a gun in my head. I couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, so that'll bring us to uh, well, um, I'm not sure exactly the date for when that happened. Where I know you mentioned it, where Ariana Grande had the top three spots. Yes. Yeah, so let me go and pull that article. And up. She was the first solo artist to do so. I believe I she the was other, the first all, artist. All the period since the Beatles. But let me. Yeah, I know the Beatles had done it. Yes, yeah, so Ariana Grande becomes the first artist since the Beatles to claim the top three spots on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, like we have, you know, have coined her to be, she is the hardest working ponytail in the game and may very well be. And I know everyone keeps saying, oh, it's Beyonce, it's Beyonce. Beyonce ain't done this. Like, Ariana Grande is huge. And I know it seems like she's huge right now, but I feel like she's been huge for like the past two, three years. Yeah, um, I want to see if she can it's maintain. Been, it's been it, at know? least a two-year run for her. Yeah, uh, with the album "A Dangerous Woman," mm-hmm. and then, uh, well, we got "Thank You" next, and then before that, "Sweetener." So, so yeah, the, the three the, songs, the last three albums have yeah. have really had her take off. She's at least the biggest pop star in the world right and now, and she's and they're coming out so quickly, which is reminiscent of what Beyonce did. Not yeah. to keep comparing them, but. You know, when Crazy in Love came out back in, what, 02, I think it was? Yeah. Like, it was like she just kept popping out album after album after album to stay relevant. And it was after she was venturing into other stuff. Yeah, like she was acting. B, and... B-Day, okay, after she rapped Dreamgirls, she did B-Day in, like, two weeks. Yeah. And that's the thing I don't think you'll see from Ariana Grande. I don't see her doing as much other stuff as Beyonce did back then. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, you would think that maybe she might have some kind of transition back to, not really to television, but mm-hmm. at least like a film here and there. Yeah. Because she started on Nickelodeon. Yeah. But, you know, it's probably not going to happen. She was on that show Scream Queens, and I, I just don't think it lasted very long. And even though, even so, her part was very bit. Like, it wasn't like she was the star. Yeah. She was just there. But the three songs that were on there were Seven Rings, which, as we saw, we stated, you know, had a couple of weeks or a few weeks at number one. Uh, Break Up With Your Girlfriend was at number two, and Thank You Next was at number three. All within the same week. Um, the last people to do that, 1964, The Beatles. Um, which is, you know, it's a pretty cool company to be in. <laughs> um, I'm trying to see where The Beatles songs were, but it doesn't really tell me which ones... Um, but that's okay because I mean we're, we oh, we don't hate we the might Beatles, be able but... to find it. Oh, here we go. Okay, so can't buy me love. Twist and shout, and do you want to know a secret? 
Yeah. Um, do you want to know a secret? <clears throat> that song uh, takes me back to, um, for those who know me, I was a theater major mm-hmm. in college. We did a play called How I Learned to Drive. Oh. Which is about um, a woman who uh, tells a story of how she learned to drive from her uncle, but her uncle was um, handsy, to say the least. Okay, so I do remember. That is the one I remember. Okay, okay. And part of my sound design was to find certain, um, to find certain songs, songs that teenagers would have liked in the 60s. But then I was finding some of these songs were like, man, these are creepy songs. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know a secret? Creepy. That is a creepy <laughs> song. There's another one called uh, You're 16. Yeah, I remember that one. I remember oh, I was living with Greg at this time, and so some of these songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if the, It was good that, the, that you know, these songwriters got these songs out of their system, you know, 50, 55 years ago. Before because we had Twitter. <laughs> it would have been a problem today. It would have been a problem. I'm trying to think. What was the last song like that? Like, She's Only 17? Was that maybe the- Waker? L- yeah. Maybe that was the last song where you could say something like that and, and people are like, oh, it's just a song. Because like- I'm, I mean, we could look at Robert Kelly's catalog. But seriously, he never said ages. We just- Age now, ain't nothing, nothing but, but a, a number. number. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Aaliyah was 15. That is true. That is true. So never mind. Yeah, Robert Kelly, one Mr. And that's all the airtime he's going to get today. Yep, that's enough. Let's, let's go to the charts. Moving on. <laughs> um, okay, so the top 10 songs as of this week. Uh, number one, of course, uh, Old Town Row, Lil Nas X featuring Billy Ray Cyrus. Number two, Sunflower from the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack, Post Malone. Excuse me, Sirius Malone. Sirius Malone and Sway Lee. And number three is also Sirius Malone with Wow. That song is moving its way back up. Mm-hmm. Number four, Seven Rings by the hardest working ponytail in the game. Number five, Without Me by Halsey. Uh, I heard that song recently, finally, and I feel like there was more that could have been done. I have to check it out. I don't think I'm yeah. familiar with it. Uh, I, I don't know the credits, but I feel like it got like eight songwriters, but <laughs> one person could have written that. But anyway. Yikes. Uh, number six is Sucker by the Jonas Brothers. Number seven, Please Me by Love and Hip Hop legend Cardi B featuring Pete. After, um, well, I forgot about Pete. After finding out about how she used to drug dudes and, and rob them, we might have to give her another name. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will say Cardi Cosby. Is that what Oh, <laughs> I like it. I was going to say what's in my drink, but no, I like Cardi Cosby. I dig that. Love and Hip Hop legend Cardi Cosby. Cosby. <laughs> Number eight, Better by Khalid. I like this Number song. nine, uh, Middle Child by Mr. No Features. And number 10, Happier by Marshmello and Bastille. All right, so the Billboard 200, these are the albums. <clears throat> uh, number one, Free Spirit by Khalid, debuting at number one. Have you heard anything from else from that album? I know you said you heard the um, John Mayer track. Uh, it's called My Bad. Okay, yeah, I heard that. I, be, I was listening um, to it. They had better. And better. So uh, I've heard those songs. On the playoffs, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's bravo, Khalid. Yeah. Bravo. Uh, number two, When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go by Billie Eilish. Number three, Victory Lap by Nipsey Hussle. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Number four, 
Thank You Next by The Hardest Working Ponytail in the Game. Number five, Death Race for Love by Juice World. <laughs> Sounds like Death Cap for Cutie, the album. <laughs> number six, Amidst the Chaos by Sarah Bareilles. Debuting at number six. She just did SNL. Number seven, Beer Bongs and Bentleys by Sirius Malone. Still in the top ten. Jesus. Number eight, Reboot by Brooks and Dunn. Oh, hey. That is a reboot. <laughs> huh, okay. Everyone Rebooting everyone's memories about them. I know, man. <laughs> uh, number nine, Hoodie Season by A Boogie with the hoodie. And number 10, Scorpion by the Perpetual Kentucky Recruit. Or he might now just be the... The Fairweather fan? No, the Sports Jinx. Yeah, yeah. Someone, so even more messed up, and no disrespect to the people of France... Um, someone showed him working Notre Dame jersey and was like, see, this is what happens. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, Drake like Drake must be stopped. <laughs> he was at the, the Maple Leafs game the other night with a Maple Leafs jersey. They lost the game. Oh, God. <laughs> someone photoshopped a Michigan State logo. There's a picture of him wearing a green uh, jacket. Yeah. They put a Michigan State logo. Michigan State lost in the Final Four. Oh, Jesus, man. This is bad. He mu- Drake must be stopped. Keep him away from Atlanta. This is one of his homes. Keep him away. <laughs> he is not allowed to walk. He's not allowed to come to Hawks games or Falcons games or Georgia Tech games or UGA. <laughs> nope. You United games. Nothing. Uh, so we go to the Artist 100, Top 10 Artist. Uh, well, one of the rules, if you put out an album, mm-hmm. you might be number one. So number one is Khalid this week. Number two is Billie Eilish. Number three is Nas X, Lil Nas X. Number four, the hardest working ponytail in the game. Number five, Sirius Malone. Do you take him seriously? Well, he has been on the charts for 50 weeks, so I I guess I gotta. I mean, he's, yeah, he's here to stay. (laughs) All right. Number six, we're only kind of worried about them. I don't at know, man, point. after that last video. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the video? I showed Ben the video for Boy With Love, their song with Halsey. What did you think? It, Halsey was in there? I didn't even see her. Yeah, she was, like, right at, at the very end. I mean, it was a pretty cool song. I like that. But she had, like, pink hair, so she kind of blended, blended in, in with Because yeah. they all look like a bunch of little girls. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it was a cool video. Like you said, it's very reminiscent of what they used to do. Something that, you know, I think it would have been more in context with a 30 to 40 second clip on TRL with some girl screaming about, oh my God, I love BTS, thank you. Because that's what it kind of had, you know. Yeah. I almost want to make parody videos of those. I like a parody episode of TRL. <laughs> and do that with some of these new videos because you, you totally could. Yeah. And it'd be hilarious. Uh, see what else we got. Number seven, Nipsey Hussle. Number eight, the Jonas Brothers. Number nine, I guess people are still watching that movie. So Queen. <laughs> and number 10, the unretired 2K Legends. Oh, yeah. All right. So, um, of course, since our last episode uh, on March 31st, Nipsey Hussle was uh, he's murdered. Yeah. In front of his marathon clothing store in L.A. Um, one, I, I'm going to be honest here. I didn't listen to a lot of Nipsey Hussle. I did not either. Um, I just knew that he was very respected. Yeah. Um, uh, Not just as an artist, but as a philanthropist, Mm -hmm. as a businessman. Um, 
you know, just someone who was trying to better his better his community. Yeah. It seems uh, like he's in his death. A lot of people are now feeling the pressure. And I don't know if I want to say pressure, but they're feeling I mean, that's only that they're feeling the pressure to be more active in their in the community. Yeah. Because they said, you know, that was what Nipsey Hussle was really known for. And, I, and I've heard a few of his songs and he was good at what he did. But that seems to be really the the legacy, what he what he did, you know, what he gave back. He didn't forget where he came from. It was more about <clears throat> his actions mm-hmm. rather than just his words. Yeah. And, you know, so it definitely will be missed. I guess the thing that I paid attention the most to is how people reacted, mm-hmm. you know, whether they were fans or not. And it was kind of like, I don't think he would want the, like people reacting this kind of way. Like this is, this is what I heard most of rather yeah. than this was a, a senseless killing over someone who was embarrassed and humiliated and felt like that was the only way to deal with it. Mm, okay. Uh, Instead of that, which is what it is, mm-hmm. in my opinion, that's what it is to me. Yeah, it was the guy was hired by the government. Oh my god! Because Nipsey is making a documentary about Doctor Sebi. Yeah, the, I, I did hear about that. That's the same people that. Well, it's actually it's not the same people because th- these are a lot of black people. But the false flag crowd, everything's a false flag. If everything's a false flag, then you, everything is not a false flag. And yeah, I started hearing about this. I don't know. I don't know if we if uh, if it was. Well, I think we kind of mentioned it on the last episode when we talked about Sam Cooke. Um, yeah. But uh, some people thought that was a government conspiracy. Yeah, the government didn't kill everybody. <laughs> I was like, okay, so they found this hotel manager, and then they set up something with. The Asian prostitute, which he took from the restaurant and brought her back to the hotel. And it's like, okay, so he's going to have this wad of cash, right? Because he always carries that around. And yeah. what you're going to do, you're going to seduce him. He's like, oh, well, let me bring him back to the motel, okay? And you bring him up, and then you and then you drug him with this. They drugged him with something or whatever. And then, and then you take his clothes, right? And just leave a jacket and a shoe. Take all his other clothes, and he's going to come downstairs, and He's going to be woozy, like he has concussion or something. And then you, then you, right? You're just, you know, regular old lady hotel manager, right? And then, Pop him. <laughs> and then you have the gun ready because he's going to be confused and try to find out where the Asian lady went. And you can claim that he was lunging at you because he's so tall. And then you shoot him. Someone said once about conspiracy theories that it requires the belief of the impossible. Without, like, basically, but, like, you know, like, but the obvious is not, you know, like, the obvious, nah, let's believe in the impossible. Like, yeah. all of these things had to align. I think Larry Wilmore said that. He explained it a lot better than I did, but, and it made it made a lot of sense. Like, everything that you just explained, that's a hell of a lot of coincidences yeah. <laughs> for this to all just somehow come together. So, the government found this guy. It's yeah. like, look. It's a lot Nipsey of planning. is in front of his store during these hours, okay? And and this part is true. He, um, you know, if he's hiring ex-felons mm-hmm. to work in the store, yeah. uh, you know, they can't have guns. Yeah. So somebody would know that none of the employees have, have guns. guns. Mm-hmm. 
and he has no real security. I mean, there are cameras and everything, but there's no security as far as they have weapons. Mm -hmm. But they set him up and like, he's going to be outside at this time. So you, you come on by, (laughs) say hello to him, Mm -hmm. shake his hand, leave and come back. If he's still outside, then shoot him. Yeah. It, re- it requires too much. It's just, it, and there's no way all that. No one's going to plan all that. Well, I mean, and then he was like, well, uh, how do I get away? I don't have a license. I don't know. Because he, like, someone else was driving the car oh, when they drove away. It's like, oh, don't worry about her. We we'll, get we'll take care of her. We'll take care of her. She won't, she won't get in any trouble. Yeah. You got baby driver. That's <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's a lot. And I feel like that's kind of a, I know some people feel like that honors his memory and makes him bigger in his death than people, he really is. But people that's... wanted so bad for it to be a conspiracy, yeah, to make it bigger than what it was. When it's just a dude got murdered. A dude got murdered because people get murdered. <laughs> and the, the guy who murdered him was someone. I don't know if he was jealous of the success mm-hmm. or felt like he had turned his back or something. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Yeah. We can't know everything. No. But and everything we don't know. It might it might be more senseless than you want it to be. And if you don't want to believe that, then I mean that that is that is your problem to not want to believe it. Mm -hmm. But I the point is going forward, you want it to make it seem less senseless by continuing, you know, in some form the work that he was doing. Yeah. Um but that's that's the part that bothered me the most is that people tried to turn it into something more than what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um and then and then even to even further make it a distraction, paying attention to whatever Kodak Black is doing in relation to this. Yeah. What did, so I heard he got arrested. Why? Uh something about he was trying to come back into he was in Mexico, he was coming back into the States. With weapons and or drugs. Oh, jeez. I don't. I haven't even read that story. Um, I saw the. But he was also had been in the news from. Oh, what the he said about London. Lauren London. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to where he says something that. I don't know. Initially, to me, like okay, that is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. This isn't the right time. No. <laughs> No one grieves in five seconds. Nah. Uh, if they do, they are a psychopath. <laughs> but to to say that, and then other people are like, "Hey, man, look, you can't you can't say that. Like, yeah. that's, that's wrong. Inappropriate, like, you know, it's yeah. inappropriate. It's an inappropriate time." And then he reacts like he did nothing wrong. Yeah. And then people take his side, uh, believing he did nothing wrong. Yeah. I, side culture. <laughs> so. Uh, that might be that might be episode side culture and cancel culture. And cancel, people want to yeah. cancel people all the time. Some, um, t- some people told me that it worked. Like I was talking about, like yeah, it's like Kanye West. Nah, I don't know. We canceled Kanye West. I'm like, you canceled. You canceled him. Kanye West. I did not cancel Kanye West. You don't speak for me. <laughs> yeah, you don't. See, and when and when black people allow other black people to speak on behalf of everyone, that's the problem. Those are the ones that get killed. That's a problem. I can speak for the myself. The government likes to find the black leader, like the <laughs> leader of a movement, not the leader like a politician. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> we canceled um, Kanye. <laughs> you canceled Kanye. 
College Dropout was a pivotal album for me. Yes. <laughs> Which one was Flashing Lights? That was Graduation. Graduation was also pivotal. Yes, Graduation <laughs> was very pivotal. And then my dark, beautiful, twisted fantasy blew the doors off, but I digress. <laughs> the trilogy of... The, the, the college tri- trilogy? Yeah. The college trilogy is very important for people who were in college at that time. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't keep working like this. <laughs> and I felt that. I felt that. <laughs> I really felt that, yes. Um... But yeah, like I, I am. I'm saying I'm beyond cancel culture. I mean, I understand if, um, I mean, there's gonna people like I cannot, I won't listen to, as far as, like I don't listen to R. Kelly. I, I, ne- I never really did. Mm-hmm. I heard a song here and there, but I wasn't like R. Kelly fan. Yeah, I was. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah. <laughs> but if you're an R. Kelly fan and now it's uncomfortable, it's weird, it's awkward yeah. to listen to his music. That's fine. That's fine. You may have ignored a lot of signs, That's but it. it's those fine people, now. It sh- if it was, it's <laughs> un- if it's uncomfortable for you now, where were you the last fifteen years? Where were you when the P tape came out? <laughs> Why I'm, wasn't it uncomfortable then? Let's see, I'm not, I'm not gonna blame you. Yeah, <laughs> because you, you, you were such a fan, you didn't want to believe mm-hmm. what was happening. You were, you were, um, Riley Freeman. Boo! Turn the music back on. <laughs> That's who you, you were. You didn't want to believe it. So and now, if if it's a carbon, I mean that's fine. If you if you moved on from R. Kelly now, okay. But if you are if you are still listening to R. Kelly, still not believing anything <laughs> that has happened, you might just be a little. Yeah, look, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people might look at you funny. The relationships might get ruined. Yeah, families get torn apart. <laughs> That sounds like an R. Kelly song. <laughs> <laughs> when a woman's fed up. <laughs> How old was that woman? <laughs> he missed the prom. That's why she was fed up. <laughs> let me stop. That's not funny. We. It's kind of st- funny. It's kind of funny. Oh, God. Oh, God. All right. Uh, well, Ben, that'll do it for our music news, man. So, uh... While I get it queued up, why don't you tell the people about your earworm of the week? <sighs> so it was it was down to two songs, but ultimately, and I kept I kind of kept this one in my back pocket because I knew we were going to be recording soon. Um, this song, uh, well, I know it came it came forth through the Yeehaw Challenge on TikTok, which I never saw. I did not hear about this song, ironically, until Billboard made a big stink about it. And pulled it from its country charts. Now, playing devil's advocate, straddling the fence here, um, is it as country as other songs? Not necessarily. As a matter of fact, I found out, I played this for Greg, it's a Nine Inch Nails sample, which I think is awesome. That's about as far from country as you can get. I wonder what Trent Reznor thinks about all of this. Someone should reach out to him. Is he getting any money off of this? I have no clue. He. I hope to God he is. Or I wonder if it's one of those things where the person who made the beat just paid him a lump sum or something to sample it. But I don't know. We should look into that. Uh, well, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are listed as songwriters. So they're probably get, they're probably making some Skrilla on this. That's money for the unaffiliated. Um, so, of course, we're talking about Old Town Road. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, but I will say when you listen to country music now, and they brought this up on the Vox episode, 
um, they played the Florida Georgia line, and I was kind of almost wanted to be like, this is the worst example to use, but it's a good example to use because they're big right now. They played that song with BB Rexa, and he was like, when you get to the chorus, it's essentially a trap beat <laughs> over the chorus. That's what country music has become. There's a guy who did a really good video about this, about how country music has basically become live instruments with trap music, trap beats, but they're not as good. Like, they're not as intricate as actual hip-hop beats. Here you have an actual pretty good intricate hip-hop beat with, you know, there's some banjo in there, and he's singing about horses and stuff. So to me, I did wrestle with, do I feel this is a country song? And then eventually I just said, do I care? I just like the song. So, um, and then, of course, you know, as we said, country legend, as he has been referred to, <laughs> um, Billy Ray Cyrus, who I figured he'd have a hard time not being referred to as um, father of Miley Cyrus, Billy Ray Cyrus, <laughs> because I've, I, that's what most people know him as, I figured. But he stepped in and he lent his vocal talents to the Old Town Road remix. Now, before we play this song, y'all know how the song goes, so y'all yeah. can wait just a moment. <laughs> now, this isn't the first time that something like this has happened. Like, uh, your favorite artist, Beyonce, uh, had the song Daddy Lessons mm -hmm. from Lemonade, which was considered to be a country song and mm -hmm. was going to be nominated in the best country song category or one of the country categories, but then was taken off because the Recording Academy did not consider it to be a country song. Mm -hmm. So is it is there an issue that you think might be not really brewing, but that there is an issue with um, black artists doing country mm -hmm. or doing songs that can be considered country? Yeah. And then another example uh, in this uh, Bill, uh, Rolling Stone article I found, uh, Juice World's album Death Race for Love, <laughs> while he is considered a rapper, mm -hmm. it could be considered he could be considered more of a rock artist. Mm -hmm. Well, this is what's happening now because but he's getting lumped in with all the other rappers. rappers. What's happening now is, and as we've seen in the past, and this would be interesting to see to look at to investigate further, when genres start to um, to meld. I don't think we know how to handle it. Like, so I'd be curious if you go back and look at, and I know some, you know, bear with me here, look at Limp Biscuit. <laughs> yeah. Were they rock? Were they rap? Were they rap rock? If you look at the album Significant Other, it's, you know, there's some songs where he's singing. They had a, they had the song In Together, Together Now, now which produced by a DJ Premier, rap song. had Method Man. Mm-hmm. And then they have Nookie. Yeah, and then they have Nookie. <laughs> but he's still rapping. <laughs> so it's like when, when genres start to meld, at the beginning we're a little like, uh, we don't know what to make of it. And we do things like, you know, give Jethro Tull the, the Grammy for Best Metal Performance. <laughs> but I digress. But like, so I do think what we're starting to see now is, and this is going to sound weird to people, we're starting to see, in my opinion, a more mature, well, not more mature, but a more well-rounded, from a stylistic standpoint, black artist. And they just might not know how to deal with it. So, like, we're we're living in an age where there are going to be black people where that grew up on country, that grew up on rock, that... Well, not just, just necessarily like grew it. up on it, but were exposed to it in some kind of way. And they like, like it, yeah. Like, uh, Old Town Road took off because of TikTok. Yeah. You know, so being exposed to different... 
styles of music in some kind of way and you're not able to put like some I, maybe the recording academy or billboard whoever think they can put black people in a nice neat little box yeah and you can't and and i think and so that to me that's interesting i i, I think it's cool that you have an artist like xxx tentacion who who came out and said yeah i was inspired by people like kurt cobain yeah you know I can't imagine you would hear um, a rapper of that style in the 90s saying, oh, yeah, man, I was really inspired by, um, I don't, like, Paul McCartney, or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Like, you, you know, we're, we're, we're expanding into what it is that inspires us, and it's going into our music, and we're giving it its own little flair. So while it might not sound just like what you would consider a traditional country song or a traditional rock song or whatever— I think if the song has enough of those elements, it can be it can genre hop. It can be a rap song. It can be a, it can be two types of songs. And again, uh, also consider that with we can look at how the recording academy or the music executives at large or whatever mm-hmm. can look at, like I said, putting black people in a nice neat little box. Yeah, like. The black people, it seemed like the we had the black singles chart, yeah. which is now the hip-hop R&B chart, but it was the called singles. the black singles chart. Yeah. It was like black people could not be considered pop. Yeah. Black music could not be considered pop in any way. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, like a Justin Timberlake. Yeah. he that's Is that not R&B? <laughs> but is that because not it's R&B so white? that he makes? But because he's white, it's pop. It's pop. Which but I don't, if a black yeah. person made that same song... It's R&B. Which, in my opinion, is not fair to either one of them. Mm-hmm. Because I look at an artist like, because, you know, Justin Timberlake's not a Pat Boone. I look at an artist like Justin Timberlake from Memphis. My God. And he probably actually, he, well, this is probably, he actually likes R&B. And he's probably like, guys, I'm making an R&B album. No, you're not. That's pop. He's like, no, I went and got Timbaland and, <laughs> and the Neptunes. <laughs> yeah, but it's pop. Like, no. Like Timbaland's beatboxing, yeah, it's pop. Whereas you know the same artists, you know a black artist do it. Like I'm making pop. No, nah, you got Timbaland. That's R and B. No, that's like, hip hop. But I, I'm not rapping. Uh, it's hip hop. It's still hip hop. Same yeah. producer. And I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head an artist we've Usher. As a matter of fact, Usher. Usher. Early career Usher was was you know hip hop and R and B. Mid career Usher was straight pop. Like when he started working with Will I Am and yeah. Oh yeah, um uh what's that song? That, that was that was pop. That was yeah. a DM pop. Like he just started he was like, I wanna make pop songs. I bet they were still like, uh, eh, R and B because <laughs> it's Usher. <laughs> it's like you're it's, not pop, you're R and B. Yeah. Uh yeah, that, that's another But that's an episode all yeah. on its own right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to finally play the song. Yeah. I know you guys have been waiting. The <laughs> Lil, smooth Lil Nas X. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So here we go. And we'll be right back. Yeah. 
YT Earworms playlist right now. Right uh, now. <laughs> and it's on Spotify where you can also find our podcast. So um, we started the show with a tune um, written by one Mr. Marvin Gaye called T Plays It Cool. And that is where my Instagram handle came from. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's cool. Okay. So a little trivia for you guys. Um, so uh, that was from the soundtrack for a movie that he did the score for called Trouble Man. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to do a Because Five to get us back in the groove of doing podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because Five of songs by Marvin Gaye. Um, some of these may be covers or, you know, he was, he was on Motown in which everybody did everybody's songs. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Thanks, Barry Gordy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, if, if you did the song first and it wasn't a hit, he'll do it. <laughs> Just Trust do it me, someone else. else is going to do this someone song. Someone else will do the song. We're going to get our money's worth on this song. <laughs> and if it's kind of a hit, it's like, you know what? We could do better. <laughs> not enough. Too many people bought sandwiches and not this song. <laughs> yeah, not- <laughs> Yes. Oh, God. I might change my name to that. Too many people bought sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So um, 
Well, you know how we do with the Because Five. We got our honorable mentions first. So, Ben, tell us about your first honorable mention. All right. So, um, this one was, yeah, this one also was a cover. Um, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Um, so, the the thing I always think of, and you know, go back down memory lane, this was back in, what, maybe 90, 94, 95, maybe even 96, um, the closing credits to the movie, I'm hoping I'm spoiling this because it's like almost 20-something years, to Sister Act 2, mm. they sing this song, and it's an amazing little, you know, thing where all the, the nuns are singing and the choir singing, and if you haven't seen Sister Act 2, go watch it now. It's probably cheap somewhere. Um, and it that can, is It might of, be in the, the Walmart $5 bin. Yeah, $2, maybe. You get it on VHS at like Family Dollar or something. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> I, I probably made some people feel bad. But yes, yeah, written it was um, written by Astrid and Simpson. The the um, were they husband and wife? Yes, husband and wife duo, Astrid and Simpson. Um, it's a really good song. It has all of the the tenements of uh, of a Motown song. You know the drum riff that I didn't even realize. Maybe until like maybe ten or fifteen years ago, somebody mentioned that they all have the that drum riff. You know. And well, the Funk Brothers, right? They played yeah. on their stuff, yeah. So, it it has that. Um, to me, it's one of those songs that is like very. I don't know, because I feel like when you have songs that are like you know, if you said define for me, Motown. This is one of those songs I would point to. You know, this is one of the biggest songs of the era, and um, it it was um, it was Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, and then of course, so as he talked about, Greg talked about. Many people will cover a song in the life at, at Motown in the life cycle of it. So Astrid and Simpson did it first. Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell did it in 1970. Um, no, um, in 1967, and then in 1970, Diana Ross did it again. <laughs> so um, it has it has a lot of legs. But I think to me, when I think of the seminal version of it, this is the one I think of. Would well, you yeah, agree? this is this is the one. This is the this is the one that gets put in the movies. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, and, and that's another thing. This is a montage classic. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. This this makes me think of the movie The Big Chill. Mm. Um, remember the Titans? Yeah. Even though people know me, I that movie don't hold up to me. It does not <laughs> does not hold. That's up. why we need to make the sequel Down in the Delta. What's what happens in Down in the Delta? I don't know. Coach Yost gets into some more shenanigans down in Mississippi. That's all I know. <laughs> Because it's going to be, I, I guarantee you, the racism in Mississippi um, makes Virginia look like, um, you know, sunshine and rainbows, man. I'm telling you, man. Mississippi, <laughs> they still, <laughs> there's still places you can't drink, places, water fountains I can't drink out of in Mississippi. <laughs> well, there was something to where, like, wasn't slavery just, like, made illegal in 2013 in Mississippi? It was, I know, I remember in history class, I was told, and now I have to wonder if this is an urban legend, but I do remember in history class, and into the 90s, it was still on the books as a law. Like, it wasn't, hadn't been taken <laughs> off. Like, Mississippi holds on to things, man, and yeah, so, just if, if, if you're if you're a young black person, um, just be careful. <laughs> you know, if you're already in Mississippi, just watch your back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my uh, my first honorable mention is uh, a nice song called How Sweet It Is. Ah, yes. I um, like this song. 
I feel like this is one of those songs that um, that white artists felt comfortable covering in mm-hmm. the 70s. Yeah. Uh, there is the, the James Taylor cover of Which it. is the most famous one I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just something that, or I feel like Crosby, Steals, and Nash may have done it at some point. That sounds like <laughs> something they do. I <laughs> um, oh, see the Grateful Dead did it too. Yeah, Grateful Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course, you had to have another Motown alum do it. So Junior Walker and the All Stars have done mm-hmm. it as well. Uh, written by Holland Dozier Holland, which was um, they had some Motown had the songwriting. He's had Ashford and Simpson mm-hmm. over here. Another one, Holland Dozier Holland, Smokey, <laughs> and then Smokey. Yeah. So you had three man weave. <laughs> you had the duo, <laughs> and then he had the superstar. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, but this is written by Holland Dozer Holland. It came out in 1964. Um, and at this point, this was his most successful single, selling 900,000 copies. And, uh, of course, you got the Funk Brothers. Yep. Uh, the Andantes were the background vocalists. I think they did background vocals for a lot of people. I feel like they did. Like, they're... Um, yeah. They were like the... Session background yeah. vocalists, Motown kept a lot of things in house. Oh yeah, you could you could. They all have. It, it's almost kind of like um, how like you have DJs do an album yeah. with different singers. It almost kind of has that feel when you listen to Motown, like it's a consistency. Yeah, you know, which is what Barry Gordy wanted. He wanted an assembly line, and you know, down to the <laughs> to the background <laughs> singers. It seems. Um. So, yeah, as you said, Junior Rock and All-Stars, The Grateful Dead, James Taylor have covered it. I feel like you hear the James Taylor one in movies a lot, too. Yeah. Well, let me rephrase. It depends on who the movie was made well, by. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let me rephrase that. Um, and it was also like the the show choir song in the first American Pie movie. Well, well I've never seen the first American Pie. I've only seen all the bad spinoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sub- are you confused at what's happening at all? No, because they usually have nothing to do with American Pie. They just mention the characters. <laughs> like Stifler's cousin was a big star in one of them. And he just said, yeah, Stifler used to do. It was just like, okay, we get it. You're his cousin. <laughs> oh, there was one where it's his like his little brother. But his little brother yeah. has been played by like five different people, I feel yeah. like. Um, but yeah, that's my first eyebrow mention. What's your second one? The second one is, let's get it on. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Just a second. Hold on. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, man. <laughs> so it's funny. It's funny because, like, to me now, this is, um, and to, I, I bet you to a lot of young people now, this is the Kiss Cam song. <laughs> like, the, everywhere I, you go. The last horse game I went to. It's either this or a remix of Chris Brown's Kiss Kiss. Okay. That's that, the, those are the two songs they play yeah. for the Kiss Cam. They always play it. And, like, that's where you hear it. And it's just, like, one of those songs where this is where Marvin Gaye kind of started coming to, coming to his own as kind of like a sex symbol. Like, yeah, he's yeah. got these songs that are – and I remember before I started – before I knew a little bit more about Marvin Gaye, and, God, he's getting more airtime than I thought – um, R. Kelly was described as the 90s version. Of course, this is before we knew what he was doing, people. But he was he was kind of like, they're like, oh, he's like a, a modern day version of a Marvin Gaye, oozing with sexuality. 
And when you hear a song like this, like it's so smooth and it's just, it's, it's just, it's just, I, I mean, that's, it's smooth. It's, it's Marvin Gaye. And I really kind of feel like this is, for better or worse, almost kind of like his signature song. <laughs> like this is the one everyone knows. Yeah, I feel like this, this is the, this is the one that people know. Uh, this is the. <laughs> I don't think it's his best one, but by, by the clearly it's my second honorable mention. Well, this, but. this, uh, you know what? I, I just realized, like, I can make put these points together. When you say that it's considered his signature song, it's considered his signature song by white people. We'll mm-hmm. be honest, it's his signature song considered by white people. When they want to listen to Marvin Gaye, it's this song and probably mm-hmm. this song only. Yeah, yeah. Um, and look at here. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's this song. This is. Yeah, I, I feel like this one was also on the big chill. I don't. Marvin Gaye really was sure. a one-hit wonder. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, that song, sexual hit. Yeah, that's the get get down song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Middle-aged white people having sex. They play this song. song. First. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! As a matter of fact, it, I remember a commercial with this like for like some jeans and the jeans were like alive and stuff and this song was in and it was like a very uncomfortable commercial but yeah this is yeah this is his signature song to yeah to the people of the fair of the fair complexion <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh the song was written by um oh we play a little bit more uh, the song was written by Marvin Gaye, co-written with Ed Townsend, mm-hmm. uh, who originally wrote it, an early version, as a religious theme because he had just gotten out of rehab. Uh, but Marvin Gaye, looking to um, have some, looking to sexually liberate himself, mm-hmm. something that, for people who don't know, he struggled with his sexuality or his, or kind of embracing the kind of person he was. Mm-hmm. Um he had a hard time embracing that for his entire life, like mm. right up until the end to where, you know, he's the son of a preacher, mm-hmm. but he's trying, but he's doing secular music. And yeah. we, we've talked about that before with, with Sam Cooke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you, if you do, if you're raised in the church and you do secular music, you Don't better, it better back. work because you can't come back. Don't um, come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, it, it, it also it came from um, uh, there was a uh, woman named Janice Hunter mm-hmm. that Marvin Gaye became smitten with. Mm. Uh, basically, a majority, if not all, of the "Let's Get It On" album is about her. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> um, there were definitely some different inspirations for that song. Yeah. All right, so my second honorable mention uh, is a duet, our second duet on our list here. And it is, uh, this was previously an earworm (laughs) of mine, uh, Diana Ross and Marvin Gaye, the song Stop, Look, Listen to Your Heart, Mm -hmm. which, yes, was later sampled by uh, Smiles and South Star. (laughs) but uh, as far as like I may have told the story of like this 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 project, they made a duets album called Diana and Marvin, mm-hmm. and it was recorded separately. Uh, 
they were both like the two biggest stars on the label at the time. So an idea at that point would have, uh, yeah, let's have um, Marvin Gaye and Diana Ross do an album together. And it was, um, it was kind of difficult to, to do as far as the story, as far as the recording it, because Diana Ross was doing all this stuff. She had kids, so mm. she was still trying to be a, a regular mom, but yeah. also do music. And the story was that she would, um, she would record all night. Oh, be up long enough to get her kids ready to school, ready for school, put them on the bus or take them to school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Come back, sleep, wake up in time to get the kids, help with their homework, make them dinner or whatever. Put them to bed, go to the studio. Oh <laughs> no. <laughs> So that was kind of her schedule, you know, or if she wasn't doing music, she was filming. Like she was also, you know, she was doing movies at the time. Yeah. So. Um, that sounds awful. So. Uh, that the, the schedules weren't working mm-hmm. because of how Marvin worked and because he smoked. That was an issue with Diana. He so, smoked? I didn't know he yeah. smoked. Uh, so it's what they did before. A lot with Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell is record them separately. Mm. So there, I don't think there was any songs in which they were in the studio working on it together. Mm. You couldn't tell. <laughs> um, this was also the last duets album that Marvin did. Okay. Um, and it's something that you know we don't. We had a an episode about duets, but it's something that. That's not really done all that much anymore. I mean, no. for Motown to take their two biggest stars, this was like if Beyonce and who's the biggest solo male star today? Jeez, I don't know. There's not a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Timberlake, I guess. If it was something album, like that. Yeah, did an album together. Beyonce and Justin Timberlake did an album together. Um, That's kind of what this was supposed to be. And the album itself, uh, it sounds really, really good. Um, and it's something that I guess that, that's not really talked about as far as either one's catalog, but it's it's really good. It's mm-hmm. a good album. I think people should. It's just called Diana and Marvin. They made it very simple. They're standing back to back uh, with their afros touching. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's my second honorable mention. So Ben, number five. All right, number five. I'm gonna go with "Sexual Healing." Um, I really like this track, um, and I'm trying to. I can't remember if it has been where it has been sampled from, but to me, it's just it's just another. And you're gonna hear me throw this term around a lot with a lot of his songs because. When I think of Marvin Gaye as a singer, I don't, I think of him as a crooner, you know? And I want to think, it was, I think it was you that said that that's what he wanted to be. He wanted to be a, a Sinatra Nat style. Sinatra. Nat, yeah, Nat King Cole, Sinatra, Bobby, Bobby Darren. He doesn't get, he doesn't get said a lot, <laughs> but I really like Bobby Darren. Um, he wanted to be that type of singer. And that's probably why, save the next song that's, you know, comes up for me, I like a lot of his stuff that's kind of like that. Um, his low, his kind of low key stuff, and um, 
this is just a kind of another one of those songs. I, I kind of dig how the bass line goes. It's kind of got like a, not a shuffle, but kind of a stutter type beat, you know, a little bit of a backbeat. It's just a really cool song. I, 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 and that's really all I can kind of say about it. You know, there's not too much more. Um, came out in, let's see here. Came out in 1982 from his album Midnight Love. Uh, looks like the writers on it were... Marvin Gaye, Odell Brown, and David Ritz. Um, I'm pretty sure Greg knows more about the two, the latter two, than I do. Uh, Odell, Odell Brown was a jazz guitarist. Oh, okay. Uh, David Ritz is a writer, um, but he, I, I think he was working on a book. Um, hmm. I think he he get, he came up with the term sexual healing. He came up with the term sexual healing for the song. Okay. That's and cool. uh, there was a lawsuit, of course. Uh, he settled with Marvin Gaye's estate. Yeah. Um, but he claims the lawsuit was settled because he had interview tapes in which Gaye says these are great lyrics he wrote. So he at least wrote some of the songs. Yeah. Uh, but he was pri- he's primarily a um, an author. Okay. Yeah, I do like the song in it, and you know it's funny because it says he was in Belgium when he wrote it, and it does kind of have. And I don't know how to describe it, a bit of a European feel to it, so that makes a little yeah, bit of sense. There's um, definitely like the early synth pop. Yeah, and that's what I was trying um, to think of, something that's a fist of pop. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I love it for that. Maybe that's why I like it so much, because it has some of that some of that feel to it. Yeah. But I'm not surprised a guitar player helped write this. Um, this charted at number three hit number three in 1982 and I know he won a Grammy for it for best um, male R&B vocal performance uh, and also the best R&B instrumental performance because the instrumental is the B-side okay. <laughs> to the single so um, he won two Grammys for the song um, Soul Asylum covered this yeah there's a cover by Soul Asylum I'm gonna check that out after this there's a cover by Sarah Connor featuring Neo. Uh, there's a remix by Kigo, which yeah, I is really get into it. I like the I like the Kigo you remix. Do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give it another listen. I didn't care for it though, but I'll give it another listen. Uh, Michael Bolton. <laughs> oh, okay. He can, that that dude can sing. He is the modern day. You know what? No, because I I think he respects the music too. So I will not lump him in with Pat Boone. No, don't no. No, he respects them. You can go. Pat Boone was just a <laughs> he, he was a. For lack of a better word, he was a pawn. Yeah. Like, someone found that this song by a black person was so good, we need a white person to do it so people will buy it. They probably didn't even tell him. It's like, oh, this is a great song. Has anyone recorded this before? Nah, Pat, man, go ahead and get it in there, man. Just go ahead. (laughs) So, yeah, that is... uh... (laughs) So, yeah, and also listed at number 231 on the 500 greatest songs of all time from uh, Rolling Stone, so... Which is always, Rolling Stone lists are always interesting, if I can just say that. All right, yeah. that was that was your number five, right? Yes. Okay. So my number five, uh, it may be on your list already. No, it's not. I don't, I, this wasn't on your list. This was just on mine. Um, another one of the uh, sexual liberating songs that Marvin Gaye had been working on. Mm-hmm. Um, this is called I Want You from his album I Want You. Uh, it, there's a couple of things that uh, 
that stick out for this song as I get it queued up here. Um, one, the the artwork uh, for the album is it's this I, I think it's the same. It has to be the same guy who did the artwork for uh, you ever see the Good Times opening credits? Yes. Yeah. You think? <laughs> okay. It's the same. Okay. It's the same thing. Yeah. Okay. I see. What you, okay. Um. But I I heard this song probably like after like while I was in college uh, because of the um if you go way way back to one of our first because fives which was our favorite ninety soundtracks mm-hmm. I think Juice was on my list ooh but there's a song okay. uh, by EPMD called um, it's going down yeah and they sampled this okay song. I never realized that okay. So that's where I first uh, was kind of introduced to the song is find out that they sampled it. Um, there was just a, uh, it was, it sounded very smooth, but also like kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess kind of raw at the same time, mm-hmm. as far as like, this is a song that might have been freestyle, yeah. <laughs> but but it sounds like so well put together. Yeah. No, it has um, a nice. It does have a nice arrangement. This is my first time hearing this song. It does have a nice little nice arrangement to it, though. Some disco elements too. <laughs> yeah. This was a uh, 1976, so it's got the uh, the bongos, which yeah. is what I know was used a lot in disco. Um, this was on Motown, but. This was outside of the using the Funk Brothers. Mm-hmm. I think at this part they had moved to they had moved to LA already. Um, trying to find the uh, with hmm. this particular song. Yeah, see who played on this. Because this doesn't sound like I mean, no offense to the Funk Brothers, it sounds a little more sophisticated than the Funk Brothers. Well, it wasn't Brothers. them. They didn't play on it. it yeah, I'm saying it, it sounds more sophisticated than them. Which is the first indication that it's not the Funk Brothers. Not saying that the Funk Brothers were bad musicians, but this just does not sound like <clears throat> their thing. It did have a uh, noted session musician. Chuck Rainey. Ray Parker Jr. Um, <laughs> Chuck Rainey was okay. He's He played with, so, and anyone who plays with Steely Dan has chops. Chuck Rainey played with Steely Dan <laughs> on some Steely Dan stuff. He's got chops. Wow. Yeah, Ray Parker. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, this was also this was co- this was co-written by Leon Ware and Arthur T. Boy Ross. Um, they worked together a lot. Well, T. Boy Ross is actually Diana Ross's younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, Leon Ware he worked with uh, not only with Motown, but he worked with Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones, uh, Maxwell. So he's a he was a guy that worked with. Um, uh, with a lot of big names. Yeah. Um, he was a co-producer of the album. Uh, but it was different for the, uh, the... You have these... You have the disco style uh, along with the with the instruments and... But he's also using gospel-like vocals mm-hmm. and also combining that with doo-wop. So he's, he's combining a lot of things. Yeah. Which uh, he hadn't really done before. And he's succeeding at it too. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I feel like is uh, that is underrated about his music is 
his background vocals. Yeah. Like, I really, like, for me, like, paying attention to that, I really like when the artist does their own background vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, kind of the top two are his and Janet Jackson's. Yeah, Janet Jackson has very nice background vocals. Uh, because it just, it just fits them. And, mm-hmm. you, and you know, even though, like, okay, they can't sing both parts if they did the song live or anything like that, <laughs> but it still, it still is a nice, uh, I like the dynamic that that brings as far as him doing his own his own background vocals and just the just the act of like putting that together mm-hmm. a really putting together song and putting your stamp on it you know like michael That's mcdonald's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh you don't like michael mcdonald's <laughs> he was on every i think it was over, it was overexposure with michael mcdonald's oh god <laughs> ryan tedder bringing it to the modern day does really good background vocals as well reminiscent of a marvin gay or really just an R&B artist, which really fits his songwriting style. All right, Ben, your number four. All right, my number four is, ooh, I bet you wonder how I knew. Heard it to the grapevine, which, well, that's that, that's another. Uh, that's actually my number four. Word? Yeah. Booyah. <laughs> did not plan that, ladies and no, gentlemen. did not. Did not plan that. That's what you get here by the time you hear this podcast. Go tell your friends. Yes. Yeah, so it's funny because, um, and I don't, how, how did you go to the Mellow Mushroom that much? I don't think you went that much. You went a few times. Not, yeah. Not. Um, George used to play this song a lot. Of course, he was doing the CCR version of it, which is good in its own right, but oh, I like okay. this version. Yeah. Not the... Um... California Raisins. <laughs> no, I was gonna say the Gladys Knight version. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know what? I'd have to ask him which one he was doing. Well, actually, you know what? Um, I probably won't get to ask him that because I'm not going back to Gelson to ask him. And that place is closed <laughs> down. So. Oh. Yeah. Oh well. So and I don't know where he is. I'm not gonna just walk around. Hey, uh, do you know where? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> have you seen George? <laughs> no. So so what made you choose this song? Um. I like the arrangement of it. I liked how like it was interpreted. I like I like his version of it. How was it arra- how it was arranged compared to Gladys Knight mm-hmm. in CCR? Yeah. Um, there was there was like a like kind of a shuffle mm-hmm. to it, and it, I, it it was easier to listen to. Yeah, not like this version a lot. Not that I mean I like Gladys Knight's version, but I'm, I don't really care for CCR's version. Yeah, CCR's <laughs> version just sounds. No offense to them, it just sounds watered down. Like I mean, I, it's a I respect. Yeah, version. I respect. <laughs> I respect you, John Fogerty, but like, you gotta, you gotta come better, man. You because you did the original "Rolling on the River." I get it. I get it. This just say, just leave this one alone. Uh, this was <laughs> this was co-written by Norman Whitfield mm-hmm. and Barrett Strong. Uh, Barrett Strong is known for the song "Money." That's what I want. Yeah. Uh, Norman Whitfield is probably one of the. He's one of the biggest. I I, I hear that name all the time. What he, he's one of the. Uh, okay, like you know, we talked about the three man weave, the duo, mm-hmm. and Smokey. Yeah. Norman Whitfield became the new Smokey. Okay, and I'm 60s. looking at this. Holy crap! Yeah. Uh, but he was uh, he was kind of a jerk. That <laughs> so, Papa was Rolling Stone. Okay. <laughs> he wrote Papa was a Rolling Stone. He wrote for the Temptations. Uh, he's the one who introduced us to Rose Royce with Car Wash mm-hmm. and all of their stuff. So um, they he uh, 
he experimented in different ways as far as as far as writing songs and then he had you know Baird Strong he wrote he wrote some a lot of other he songs he wrote too. a song for Rare Earth did he write that I just want to celebrate <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he did write that oh man because he kept he kept trying to bring in his own acts but he would only get them one hit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he couldn't get multiple hits for them, so that that happened a few times. Oh, that's funny, but no, I I just I do love the feel of this song. It just has kind of a laid back, like you know Marvin singing all over the track, but it's kind of got still a kind of a, a laid back do, like the I, it's it's hard to explain with the the guitar, the drums really don't do too much. It's just, but it still works. Um, this was another song with the Funk Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh. Actually, Marvin Gaye is singing higher than his normal range mm-hmm. because Whitfield pushed. Yeah. He pushed his artist. Trevor uh, Horn, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do it, I will. <laughs> um, and this, actually, I think this version came out after Gladys Knight and the Pips version. Mm. Um, yeah, it came out after and cause, because... Barry Gordy blocked the release of the song of hit of Marvin Gaye's version, mm. and then Gladys Knight came in, and yeah, and that version came out first. Mm. Damn it, Barry! <laughs> mm. So uh, yeah, that was both our number fours. <laughs> All right, what do you have for number three? Um, so number three, I have um, "Blurred Lines" by Robin. Let me stop. Let me stop. <laughs> um, got to give it up. So interesting how I first heard this song and you know of of course you know we didn't have streaming services and unless you got into your parents record collection a lot of these songs you just heard them how you heard them so on the album One in a Million by Aaliyah she has a cover of this featuring Slick Rick hmm. that was where I first heard it didn't know it was a Marvin Gaye song my sister had the album One in a Million and I just remember hearing her sing you know hearing because the way it starts out on that album, Slick Rick raps a verse, and then she starts singing, and then he raps another verse. And I just remember listening to that song like nonstop, and then later in life finding out, once you know the internet age comes about and we get streaming services and stuff, like, oh, this was a Marvin Gaye song. Yeah, I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't know this was a Marvin Gaye song uh, for a while. I, I had heard the song several times in a couple of black movies. Yeah. Black people movies. But I didn't know... I didn't know he sang it. Yeah, well, because he doesn't sound like himself. Yeah, he's he's singing the falsetto. Yeah, um, but this is definitely this is a uh, uh, a black cookout standard. Oh yes, uh, you you are meant to drop everything and dance. <laughs> um, Hence the the voices in the background. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, and Ben, th- this should be on the playlist. Oh, the wedding playlist. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. There there'll be enough of us there. They'll- yeah. <laughs> This this should definitely be on the list. This will follow psychosocial. This will follow- <laughs> <laughs> that boy done lost his mind. Oh oh, Marvin. Oh oh yeah. All right now. <laughs> oh yeah. No, this is yeah, this is a classic right here. I feel like this will get people up out of their seats, young and old, mostly old. But <laughs> um, trying to find the information about. So this yeah, song. this was written um. This was written solely by Marvin Gaye, uh, produced by Art Stewart. I know that name, um, or maybe I don't. 
He worked uh, in a few things with producer, Diana Ross. Yeah. Um, worked with Rick James. Everybody. Tina Marie. Okay. Maybe that's where I know him from. So, from yeah, working with Rick James. Um, very kind of, kind of a disco type song, but just it's a it's it's a nice little dance tune. Yeah. Oh, it says it actually was a request from Gay's record label that he performed disco music, which apparently he did not like. <laughs> <laughs> so I can only imagine that. Uh, and what's that funny is this is this was okay. It's kind of disco, but then it like kind of. It has outlasted the genre. Yeah. Oh God, yes. Like because it doesn't have the the tropes, you know, it doesn't have the strings. Yeah, the and unnecessary the, strings. And the it wasn't done on like uh, how they just like churned them out with like okay, we have this mixing board with twenty four tracks. Yeah. There's no slap bass. Instead of the 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 chucking now Rogers guitar, you have the uh, what's that called? Well, it's almost more of like kind of like a reggae esque. Um, it's a um, key- well, it's keyboard at certain points. Yeah, it has a kind of a punchy. Yeah, it doesn't. It has out. It definitely has outlasted the genre because it did not go back to the. It didn't like dust off the old disco playbook. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I would like to have her. If Nile Rodgers was on this, was uh, produced this track, though, there would have been a lot more guitar. Yeah, a lot more. Well, no, the the keyboard will be taken out, and it will be the guitar. The yeah. guitar will be playing that. Yeah, Bernie Edwards would have <laughs> played bass on it. Uh, actually, Marvin played a synthesizer bass. Okay. And, and you know uh, what I hear that now. Okay. Yeah. And there's a bottle. He played. They listed as bottle as far okay. as the instrument goes. So, so I was played, like, either uh, um, it was either synth or or, or fretless because it almost sounds kind of like a, a little like Pino Palladino, who was really big um, in the '80s, but this was in the '70s, so I don't, yeah, I don't. He might not have been big back then. And uh, his brother Francis Gay was one of the background vocalists. Okay. Um. So. We got another show recording on the other side, so don't don't worry about them. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was your number three. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so my number three is um, uh, from the same soundtrack as we started the show with, um, from the the film Trouble Man, which Marvin Gaye did the the soundtrack for. It's the title track. <laughs> Um, I liked with this song that it was it was dramatic. Um, it didn't sound like anything he had really been doing at the point at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was very jazzy, and I feel like it gets lost in the. This was you know when uh, during the seventies with black exploitation films, the mm-hmm. soundtrack was just as important. Yeah. as the movie yeah um, and some in some cases the soundtrack overshadowed the movie to where you forget that it was a movie soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> that was made here like I've still I've never seen the movie Trouble Man <laughs> but you've heard the song <laughs> but I've heard the, the song yeah. <laughs> I've heard the soundtrack um, never seen Shaft never seen Superfly heard the songs yeah 
that, that, that that's what I'm talking about. You where the, yeah. the the music overshadows whatever the film was set out to be, and it was mm-hmm. just a matter of just getting these getting these films out and the way to sell the film, which for the most part would be cheaply made with a lot of unknown actors. Well, let's get for, so for the soundtrack, let's get the biggest musician we can. So, mm-hmm. you know, not Marvin Gaye did one. James Brown did a couple soundtracks. Yeah. First, there's Cor- Curtis Mayfield, yeah. Isaac Hayes, Donny Hathaway, Roy Ayers, Willie Hutch. So, Willie Hutch. Yeah. <laughs> His name may heard in a minute. <laughs> so, um, it was funny, like, Willie Hutch may have, like, the, the most success. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Curtis Mayfield, maybe, but I think Willie Hutch... <laughs> he the movie you know of the movie with him because yeah. I think he did like Foxy Brown he did Last Dragon and he, Last Dragon <laughs> <laughs> I think he did um, uh, The Mac he did that one too oh okay so um, Willie Hutch but this was during a time where to like look we need a we got this movie we need a we need a hot song <laughs> you know, or hey, maybe art and artists. I think a lot of artists jumped on it because they saw what the the success with Isaac Hayes. Yeah, like he won an Oscar. Like maybe I can get me an Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> now, I don't think anyone else was really nominated in that regard. <laughs> uh, Curtis Mayfield it wasn't nominated on a technicality. It was really on a technicality because the song wasn't um, the song what the the instrumental version of his songs like Freddie's Dead mm-hmm. and us and Superfly yeah the, the instrumental versions were in the movie but not mm-hmm. the version with the lyrics gotcha so yeah he he lost out on technicality he probably would have won mm-hmm. <laughs> but um yeah that's what i liked about the soundtrack is that it never really um I, I liked how, how jazzy it sounded, and he really hadn't done anything like it before or since. Yeah. Um, I think he played all the instruments as well. Why, I didn't know that. Let me let me check on that. Um, this was from 1972. He produced the whole album. Um, he played a lot of the instruments. He did. He played drums, keyboards, synthesizer. Uh, so he played a lot of the instruments himself on it. So yeah, that's my number three. Nice. All right, number two. So we're we're coming into um, the two songs to me that stand out above everything else that he's ever done. Uh, the first one is "What's Going On," <clears throat> um, and this is just a beautiful song. Um, and I know it's it's one of those songs where I don't know if it was meant to be beautiful, but it is. Um, just the way it starts out, like you hear that saxophone coming in, and him singing. And my God, I I was I was kind of upset when they remade this in the two thousands with all those artists. Um, and they put a rapper in there like Nelly. What's going on in the world? But like it just like don't. Do, why don't we just, how about we remaster the original <laughs> and put that out or get a singer worth his salt? I'm pretty sure you could have got Maxwell to do a really good cover of this, you know, or, or someone. But like, you don't need to just take a song and we are the world. It. Yeah. Especially a song that's this good 
And I've never, I'm, I'm not usually one for like, oh, listen to the lyrics, listen to the message. For me, this is just an audio experience. You listen to it and it's smooth. It's got that, you know, the guitar kind of, you know, the guitar and the bass kind of drive it a little bit with that constant guitar rhythm. But then like his, his, his you know, you talk about his background vocals. They're, they're beautiful. Everything about this song is just beautiful, man. And then on top of that, you got a dope message behind it. And yeah. It's just a really good song, and I think this is—I don't know that the this song and the one that comes after this are the ones I just I respect these songs above everything else. Cause I'm, I came into this, I'm not a huge uh, Marvin Gaye fan. I forgot about the Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell song. I'm gonna put that on a playlist, and I'd almost forgot about Trouble Man. That's a good song too. And had I written back and done some more homework, I might have put that in my top ten. But this this song is just—I I just love this song. You know, like the chorus is, is kind of sparse and then you just then he just lets the music play. Yeah, I um, like that. And yeah. I really like that. Just let the music play. Another like where he's he's doing the um, this was from, well, of course, from the album. What's, What's going, going on? on which yeah. he produced himself. And this was probably this was a song that uh, an album that almost wasn't released because of the content. Like mm-hmm. the, like. Barry Gordy still wanted these pop hits. Yeah. You know, he was he was he was like Plato. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Get this guy out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> um but he wanted to you know, he wanted he wanted the pop stuff. And you can't talk about the Vietnam War like not on an album, you know. Like how does that not affect the artist, you yeah. know, as far as what's going on in the world? Mm-hmm. Um of course written by uh Al Cleveland, uh, Ronaldo Benson of the Four Tops, and Marvin Gaye. Um, you know, they were all affected by the Vietnam War in some way. Yeah. Where friends or relatives were went off to war and they didn't come back. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's one of those, and not even to get political, it's just one of those wars that was seen so much as, like, you know, they say we were spit on, we were disrespected when we come back. And then, you know, you have, because this is told from the perspective of, of a man coming back. He sees this injustice. It's just like, you know, whether you were black or white, when you when you came back, there was still stuff kind of going on, you know, that maybe you had forgotten about when you left. And, and now you got to come back and it's like, are we are we cool? Can we be cool? I know we were dying by each other, but it's like, you know, come back here and I'm a second class citizen. Yeah. And that's you know, you get to see that in addition to being called a baby killer and, and, and all these, you know, the the. The different things that Vietnam vets were called. Um, it's just a really good song. It's so it's and I said I'm gonna say smooth a lot. It's a smooth song, man. It's a smooth song. Uh, the song was covered by Cindy uh, Lauper. I've never heard her version. I never will. But uh, <laughs> they're apparently uh, dance club versions of it. Jesus, like, man, what are we doing? Anyway. Um, and I'm like not there, one there, of those there, people. You there are a lot of so- like this was the '80s, and a lot of songs in the '80s that had the dance club remixes. Yeah, like why? Wait, why? Why are we doing this? And I'm not one of those people <laughs> that's like nothing can be covered. I just want you to pay this source material respect when you cover it. Uh, there's also a cover um, for Live Aid Armenia, which took place after the earthquake uh, in the 1988 Armenian earthquake. I'm looking for Bob Geldof's name on this, and it's not there. I see David Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, David Gilmore and Nick Hayward and Boy George. Um, yeah, 
And so that's just people trying simple. to make it like they're trying to make it just apply to everything. And some songs can't apply to everything. No. Uh, there's all and, uh, and the the version that you mentioned, the artist against AIDS cover, uh, produced by Jermaine Dupri, Bono, the Neptunes, and Moby. Uh, let's not speak anymore. All of them these. should have known better. <laughs> Where yeah. were the adults in the room? <laughs> Bono, what were you doing, man? <laughs> Jermaine Dupri, what were you doing? Man? Uh, yeah, just uh, that's just too much. Um, okay, so my number two. And if you have the number one, I think you do. You mm-hmm. might have the same one. Okay. So, um, so my number two is another one of his famous duets, and it is "You're All I Need to Get By." No, we don't have the same. We don't have the same. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, another one of his famous. Famous duets. I think this was also written by Ashford and Simpson. Wouldn't be surprised. Let me see. Um, it. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Nicholas Ashford and Valerie Simpson. So uh, the Motown duo um, writing for another of Motown's first big mm-hmm. duets, uh, du- like working duets, to where they did albums together and yeah. <laughs> all that. So I have a question because I know how much your mom is into music. Which version did you hear first? I actually heard this version first. But I, and not I figured, too long after <laughs> did I hear Method Man and Mary J. Blige. And I figured you would. <laughs> I figured you would hear this version first. I just wanted to know because I did not. But I, I just, I know how much your mom is into music. So, um, I do. I, I I love this version and the the other version. I that the the Mary J. Blige Method Man version. What was weird is that the original version of their cover, mm-hmm. if that if you follow me here, <laughs> <laughs> their cover or a remix or whatever. The original version was in Eight Mile. I had never heard that version before. Oh wow! Because Eight Mile takes place in 1995. So I didn't know that, that. was when the song came out. That makes sense though, if it's about Eminem. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, I had never heard that version before. The uh, the one that I actually heard was the one that's in the video where Method Man has one eye and yeah. half his hair braided. You know, it's, it's kind of a grittier, darker version, which yeah. is the P. Diddy remix or the Puff Daddy remix. Yeah, because he, he was, was not Diddy the back time. then. So was that, was, that was the version that, um, that's the cover version that I like. But Okay. Um, but with this version, you know, again, the classic Motown sound mm-hmm. with the Funk Brothers, and you kind of get an idea of how how talented Tammy Terrell was. Mm-hmm. Like, she died, she was 23. Wow. She had done a lot. I didn't realize she died that young. You know, um, and, like, their voices just work so well together. Um, this is this is one of my this is one of my favorite duets of all time, but the way that they they work together, um, it just it it's it's one of those feel good songs, and it's not your it's not your typical pop song, but it's one of those R and B songs that is that has outlasted the genre. Mm-hmm. That is you know that is that is almost you can consider it timeless. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, peaked at number seven on the Hot 100. Uh, it was covered by Johnny Mathis and Denise Williams, <laughs> um, and it has to be a duet, you know. So the uh, 
Diana Ross has done the song, uh, Dionne Warwick, uh, Michael McDonald, um, Tony Orlando and Dawn. You know, it's one of those songs to where, you know, this is this is your high school, uh, your high school choir. Um, making this song as well at some point. So, of course, Michael McDonald covered this. Of course, he did. Um, but yeah, that's my number two. So, Ben, number one. So, number one is a song that, um, and there's another song I described like this too, but this song makes me think of driving on the east side of Atlanta in the rain. It is Inner City Blues. Okay, I said we would have the same number one. Oh, I thought you said number two. My yeah. number two would be like your number one. Okay, so we have the same number one. We have the same number one song, Inner okay. City Blues. Yeah, so yeah, this this song, um, it it just it's it evokes emotion. Um, yeah, it's just it's yeah, it's one of those you just gotta listen to it. You know, <laughs> the the piano coming in at the very beginning of the song, um, which he played. And the bass line is, is uh, with is the bongos nice and too. just the 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 bass line is instantly recognizable, um, and then the the lyrical content of the song. This was written by Marvin Gaye and James Nix Jr., who was a co uh, a songwriter for Motown. They, you could back in a time where you could just be a songwriter, yeah. and have a salary. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. Um, but this was any. Any inner city, I mean, uh, this was probably where the the, the term inner city made it uh, as forever associated with black people. Yeah. Um, and the things that uh, people who are less fortunate than us may go through. Yeah. Uh, this started off as Marvin Gaye had the music for it, but no lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and. But at the time, he had some financial problems, so they they laughed about putting lyrics about high taxes, <laughs> <laughs> rich people problems, <laughs> um, or how they, they uh, James Nix also said we talked about how the government would send guys to the moon, but not help folks in the ghetto. Yeah, but he still didn't have a name or really a good idea of the song. And then I was reading the paper one morning and saw a headline that said something about the inner city of Detroit, and I said, "Damn, that's it." Inner city blues. Mm. Um, and Detroit is that type of city, man. <laughs> yeah, Detroit is that type of city. Have you been to Detroit? Yeah, I, I well, I have. I've been to Detroit maybe like oh, a yeah, couple times. Oh, family up there in Michigan, don't but, you? Okay. Yeah, my fam, uh, family they live in Pontiac. Pont. Okay. Okay. Which is like forty-five minutes away, maybe thirty. That's where the Silver Dome was right. Yeah. Okay. There was one of. Uh, it was either my aunt's house or my grandmother's house was like literally around the corner. Oh wow! Like the time, one time I went to a Lions game at the Silverdome. Uh huh. We walked there, like we walked across the street. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> there it is. Yeah. No, this this song though is just like I just it's just it just makes me think of like cruising through and you know the I I really like the cover of what's going on, and it's a simple cover. It's just, you know, Marvin Gaye with his, you know, the collar on his jacket turned up in the rain. And like when I see that, although I know that the name of the album is what's going on, this is what I feel like is playing in his head when he's walking through Detroit or whatever city. And that's, you know, so when I'm on the east side of Atlanta and if you've ever been here, you know, the east side of Atlanta 
isn't as nice as other parts of Atlanta. And it just makes me think of, that's what it makes me think of. I don't know why, but it just does, you know? And it's just a beautiful song. But it's also a song that makes you think. <laughs> it And it should. It should make yeah. you think about, you know, how other people live, how the other side lives, Yeah, in a way. Um, there have been several covers of it. Uh, Grover Washington Jr., Sarah Vaughn, The Shy Lights, The Impressions, uh, Gil Scott Heron, Joe Cocker, Marvin Gaye's daughter, Nona Gaye, um, Michelle and Deggie Ocello. I like her. Love um, John Mayer. John Mayer? That doesn't surprise me. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned this while we were recording, but Seven Dust. Yeah, Seven Dust covered it. Very uh, interesting cover. Yeah. Uh, Living Color also has a cover of it. I have to check that one out. And of course, it's been sampled by several uh, artists, uh, Tribe Called Quest, uh, Big Daddy Kane, the DOC, Ice Cube, Joe Budden, um, Scarface, Spice One, The Game. Ooh. So uh, Janet Jackson, I think, was on there. Mark uh, Broussard covered that. I bet it's Coolio. So it's one of those songs. On, on, it's uh, it's a song that has stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, there may be several covers of it, but it. Nothing is really nothing really beats the original. No, not that I've heard at least. Yeah, yeah. I will say the Seven Dust one is probably the most creative one I've heard. Anything they do is creative, though. You know, when you have a black lead singer and he grew up listening to that type of music, more than likely. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Interesting to hear his take on it. <laughs> um. So yeah, that will do it for our because five Marvin Gaye songs. And um, let's get into my earroom of the week. Uh, this is one I had in my back pocket for a long time. Uh, this was on my Discover Weekly playlist on Spotify. Mine has, mine has been so off lately. <laughs> um, this was a song that, the first of all, the sample, they sampled the most obscure R&B song. <laughs> they sampled a song by Ralph Tresvant from oh. the second album that flopped. It was all their albums <laughs> yeah. flopped, right? So this is a sample of from the second album. There's a song I never heard before, um, but they did it Kanye style where they sped it up. Oh yeah! Um, but it's this artist named Gold Hippie. He's from New York, um, and uh, yeah, he's just one of these. He's one of the. He's one of these new rappers. But I like the sample so much that I've been playing it. I played it on repeat for for a while. Mm, okay. So uh, this is called "Fall in Love" by Gold Hippie, and uh, oh, he, he, and he's also a fan of Missy Elliott. There's a little bit of Missy Elliott. Oh, in nice! Too. Hell yeah! All right, we'll be right back. Beep, beep. Who got the keys to the Jeep? <laughs> Just while I'm playing 
side, bitch, get off the side. Get off the side. Yeah. Fall in Love by Gold Hippie. Um, I also like the line where he said, um, I probably never cleared the sample. sample. Yeah. <laughs> this is an looking guy. I'm, I found him on Instagram. Okay. So you can find that on the BTTYHT Earworms playlist right now. Um, it's also on the We Lit playlist. So, um, either of those playlists, you'll find that song. Okay. Well, Ben, this brings us to the, I don't know what's going on. It's <laughs> <laughs> a party. Um, but, uh, that's, this brings us to the end of the program. Yep. Folks in another two months. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Thanks for coming on the journey. Um, so, um, if you would like to hear us, well, I guess technically, why are we telling them if they're, like, they, they're hearing us now? But yes, we digress. Um, if you would like to continue to hear us, I hear more of us. Um, check us out at our website um, by the time you hear this dot com. We're also on Facebook at facebook dot com slash by the time you hear this. Feel like anyone using the Facebook page is probably above the age of thirty, maybe. Yeah, um, we can be found on the inst- on Instagram. This is for the people who are under the age of thirty. Um, our Instagram page is at by the time you hear this, spelled with the letter U, and that is because we're urban. Yep, yep. Um, the website as well as our Facebook page is spelled with the word U Y O U. Um, if you want to listen to us on the go, um, so one thing you did forget to mention, um, if you're trying to avoid the busker. Or if you're trying to avoid that awkward coworker at work um, who, who just, you know, brings up things that they probably shouldn't bring up, but they do it anyway and you just want to ignore them. Hey, get yourself some some ear pods or some AirPods if you're like super rich and you can listen to <laughs> us <laughs> if you got that AirPod drip um, and you can listen to us on iTunes. You can listen to us on the Google Music application. You can listen to us on CastBox. You can listen to us on Auto Radio, TuneIn Radio. F what's the FM one? Play.fm. Play dot Play.fm. Play.fm, listen notes, um, Satchel Podcast Player, and um Spotify. Yeah. Check us out on the Spotify. 
yeah, we on there. Um, so yeah, plenty of places to check us out. Get your ear pods and ignore your coworkers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, trying to find what we, well, you know, we can end the show with, uh, the previously mentioned, um, Eric Sermon featuring Marvin Gaye. It is credited as Eric Sermon featuring Marvin Gaye. I love Gaye. this song. And a song called Music. Did he do a song called Music, Eric? I mean, not Eric Sermon. Um, Marvin Gaye, or is this just like a sample of his vocals? It's a sample of his vocals. Um, let me see what, what song it was. I always wonder what song it was from, because I love this. Because I know in the video they had like Marvin Gaye like dancing. And I was like, Marvin Gaye danced? <laughs> um it was from an outtake called Turn On Some Music. Okay. Yeah, I love this song. Yeah. So, yeah, um, we're going to end the show with that. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you very, very, very soon. Soon <laughs> in two months. Yes. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Just like music. my mind so I can be free and absorb the sound that keep me round doing my thing constantly with no worries peace to keep Murray just like music to keep me flowing to keep me going to keep me growing to keep me to eat from knowing what happens out there is not my concern you want to die it's not my just turn just like music to do something to me like jumping the Mercedes on the highway doing over 80 without music baby I'll, I'll go crazy yeah. just like music Make me call my homie on the phone like there's something new out that got me in the zone. Just that feeling got me. I wish music can adopt me. Just like music. music.